This is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. One more time. Coming up on the 34th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, we catch up with Monarchy captain Sandy Eaton, assistant coach and midfielder for Launceston, Angela Dickinson, captain of the Darabin Falcons, Elise O'Day, co-captain of Diamond Creek, Tanya Hetherington, plus Girls Play Footy's own Matthew Cox previews the VFL Women's Grand Final. That's all coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the 34th episode of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, our third year of doing these podcasts. And a friendly reminder, you can listen to this podcast as a radio program on Wednesday evenings from about 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time via RSN Carnival, that's digital radio in Melbourne, or on the RSN Racing and Sport app. It is a bumper grand final edition as we focus on the Tasmanian State League Women's Grand Final that's happening this Saturday at the University of Tasmania Stadium in Launceston. And of course, the big one, the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Grand Final on Sunday from 12pm at Etihad Stadium. And a reminder that RSN Carnival will be bringing you that grand final live from 11am with a one-hour pre-game show and then all the play-by-play action. So join us on digital radio in Melbourne by listening to RSN Carnival or on your mobile phone by downloading the RSN Racing and Sport app. But first of all, we're going to head down to Tasmania. Last year, it was Clarence and Bernie in the grand final at Blundstone Arena where the Bernie Dockers took out the premiership. Both of those sides got knocked out in the final series this year and it's been left to Launceston and Glenorchy to do battle at the University of Tasmania Stadium, otherwise known as York Park in Launceston. Our first of our guests is the captain of the Glenorchy Magpies, and it's great to have on the line Sandy Eaton. Sandy, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much, Peter. Well, it's Glenorchy's first ever women's grand final. You're the captain. How are the nerves counting down the days to this Saturday? Um, they come in waves, actually. When we think about uh, actually playing in the grand final, we get, oh, I personally get a little bit nervous, but then um, then I get waves of uh, just, yeah, just thinking about the game, I guess, and um, trying to work out what we're going to do. But, yeah, it's a bit up and down at the moment. So what were your thoughts as captain at the end of the home and away season? You're going into an elimination final. Uh, you're sitting third on the table, and the task laid out in front of you, first stop, is to knock off the reigning premiers in Burnie. What was the thought going through that mind on elimination semi-final day? We went into that game feeling confident. So we had beaten them the three previous times we met them throughout the uh, home and away season. So we were confident uh going into that game, but we didn't want to be cocky, if that makes sense. So, yeah, we, we went in that with um, a good mindset, I guess, of setting ourselves up uh, for the rest of the final series. And you did well to win that game and then progress to the next stage. Launceston had knocked off Clarence. Them had been 10-2 and two each, so that game could have gone either way. So you're facing Clarence. The situation is this. It's three-quarter time. You've had a fantastic third quarter. You've kicked three goals and you've drawn ahead yep. by two points. What's being yep. said in the huddle at this stage? Uh, we wanted to remain focused. So we wanted to try and remain calm. We found that through the season when we try to hype ourselves up too much, we were making silly mistakes in, in the games. Um, so we try to keep ourselves calm and, we, and, and focused. And look, Clarence have been our rivals throughout 
well, since our team's been about, they've been the team that we've struggled to beat the most. So it was more just drive and willpower that got us over the edge, I think, against Clarence. And indeed, you managed to kick uh, the only goal to go 5-5-35 to 4-2-26. When does that moment hit you that you've won a preliminary final and you're going to go into your first ever grand final? <laughs> it wasn't until that siren went. Uh, we we knew that, um, well, obviously, we were a goal and a half up, um, but I knew that if... We allowed Clarence to get a goal, even with a minute to go. They had a good chance of getting that final goal. So, goal. Um, so we knew we had to fight until that very last second. So we didn't believe we'd won until that siren went. Rattenbury, a great performance. Three goals up forward. She, um, she definitely got us back in the game. We missed a couple of chances in the, in that first half that could have kept us um, from being that three goals behind and it was definitely uh, Kate Rattenbury that uh, got us back in the game with her two really good shots, good marks and, and good shots for goal. In your personal opinion, who's been performing well for you at the business end of the season? Um, look, we've got a, a number of players, a consistent performer's um, definitely being uh, Nayid Lynch, um, Tanasa Corey. Um, they're probably our two really strong performers in the midfield. Um, Brianna Barwick and Elise Barwick, um, the, the cousins there, have absolutely been dominating through the midfield. So I think between those four players and obviously the Rattenbury's up forward, kicking us a few goals. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's been a, a really good team performance, I think. Throughout the season, you haven't been able to get Launceston, but you've been within a kick or so every time you've uh, played them. What, yeah, do you, yes. what do you put that down to, and, and what do you think you need to adjust to make sure you can go that extra step? Um, Launceston have been a, a, a funny one. They've got uh, a lot of youth in their team, um, and they've got a, a lot of run, um, and we've let them, I guess, run away with the game. We've always been able to pull it back, and it's just been those last couple of minutes of the game that they've been able to continue um, uh, to run it out, I guess. Um, heading into this weekend's game, um, we're, we're just going to have to try and stop their run and stop their, their I guess, younger players and younger youth running, running through, I guess, so. And hopefully you can do that. So we're not only just the players, but a whole heap of crowd support. What's the plan for the Glenorchy Football Club? Because you're having to make the travel up from Hobart all the way up to Launceston to play them at the University of Tasmania Stadium. Have you got the convoy worked out? (laughs) We have the convoy worked out. We'll be leaving here uh, in Hobart at KG5 at 8.30. Um, to give ourselves plenty of time to um, to get up to the game and have a walk around and settle our nerves, I guess, before the big game. Well, congratulations, Sandy, for making it to the grand final, and we certainly wish you all the very best on Saturday when you take on Launceston in the Tasmanian State League Women's Grand Final. Thank you very much, Peter.
Let's turn our attention to the other team in the grand final. They finished second on the table with 10 wins and two losses, made their way direct to the grand final after beating Clarence in the major semi-final. I talk about the Launceston Football Club, and I've got on the line assistant coach and midfielder with the women's side in Angela Dickinson. Angela, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good. How are you going? Not too bad at all. Great to have you on the line. How are the nerves feeling as we count down the days to Utah Stadium and uh, hope and playing part of this Tasmanian State League Women's Grand Final? Um, I think it's more of excitement at the moment rather than nerves. I'm sure in the next few days and um, Friday night they'll kick in. But, um, yeah, we're just, like, excited to get out there and start playing. So, yeah, more excitement than nerves at the moment. It's a bit of a changing of the guard, isn't it? We've, we're used to Clarence, I guess, being up the top. We saw last year Clarence and Bernie go out with Bernie taking out the flag. Two newcomers this time around, yourselves and Glen Orkey going toe-to-toe on the big dance. Yeah, I think um, Clarence have definitely set the standard over the last probably five to six years. And it's taken a long time for the rest of us to catch up. But, you know, we've been working really hard all year. So, um, yeah, we're ready. We're ready to go. And, we're, yeah, we just can't wait. How would you rate the season so far? You managed to finish tied top of the table, as we mentioned, just shy of Clarence on percentage only. Yeah, I think um, obviously, you know, we expected that we would go okay this year. We, um, we've got a lot of new players into the team and we had a really strong pre-season and we've been working really hard on our fitness and doing a lot of skill stuff. So we hope that we would go well. I think um, to finish top of the equal top um we didn't expect that, so that was a bit of an added bonus. But, um, you know, we've been working really hard, so we expected that we would get the results that we have because, you know, we've been working so hard for it. And how have you found the standard of competition as well? In previous years, uh, the league was a seven or eight team competition. The newer or, should I say, uh, regional or weaker teams are now gone down to uh, regional level where it's the best five uh, remaining. How have you found that you've been playing, I guess, more competitive football week in, week out? Yeah, it keeps it interesting, I guess. Um, you know, obviously in previous years, we've had weeks where you've had close games and then, you know, you might have a couple of weeks where there've been big blowouts and we get the big wins. So it's it's good to have every week knowing that it's going to be a competitive game and all of the girls that are out there, are, are they fit and their their skills are great and um, it just adds that extra added excitement and I think it, it makes us lift as players because we know that we can't take the foot off the pedal. You know, every week is, is um, you know, do or die and, and we know it's going to be tough. Let's flash back to that major semi-final against Clarence. Uh, it was only a kick in it at half time until you managed to uh, pull away. How would you describe how the game went in your own words? Um, we knew Clarence were going to come out firing. We... Um, in previous encounters, you know, we've kind of got up on them in the first the first half and they've really um, come back strong in the second half. So we knew that that was something that that, that, w- that was going to happen. We knew that they were going to come out strong. And um, so, yeah, we, we – I think we got a bit of a shock when they come out and kick the first two goals on us. And um, But we know that we're a strong finishing side. We know that we're fit and we know that we can chase down any kind of score. So um, I think – what we did well is we just remained composed. We stuck to the game plan and slowly, you know, we, we came back and we got the win. So, yeah, we were ecstatic at the end of that. And, of course, earning the week off. Did it catch you by surprise to find out you wouldn't be playing Clarence in the grand final, that they fell victim to Glen Orkey? Yeah, it was a big surprise, but I'm, I'm also not surprised as well. Um, Glen Orkey are such a strong and passionate team. They're... Um, 
they never ever give up. Every game that we've played um, against them this year, you know, they're it's always been like a kick in it at the end. And um, you know, I think they their desire to want to win is amazing and um they're a very strong knit team so we did expect Clarence to win but I'm not at all surprised that Glenorchy stuck with it and came through with a win at the end. How much of an advantage is it for your side to be playing at the University of Tasmania Stadium otherwise known as in the past Aurora Stadium or your park in Launceston and not having to do the uh, two-hour road trip down to Hobart to face Glenorchy down there? Yeah, it always helps to have a home grand final, um, just to be able to sleep in your own bed and, um, you know, go through your normal routine. So we can kind of go at it as if it is just any old game. Um, and, you know, we, we've not played on um, Utah Stadium before, so we're going to be on the same um, level as Glenorca when we run out there. But I think, you know, being able to have our home crowd here and um, and to, yeah, as I said, just not have to get up so early and spend two hours on the bus. It's definitely going to be an advantage. And out of your blue side, who do you think's hit the right form at the right time? Oh, there's probably about five or six girls, really. I think um, you've got a few of the girls that are going away for the combine. So you've got, um, you know, we've got Daria and Georgia and, and um, Courtney Webb who are who have been training hard and, you know, they're ready to go. And we've got the... Um, you know, a couple of the other ones that are new to the season and new to the team this year. So with um, Naomi Celebre and um, our Ruck, Abby Green and, and um, Meg Sinclair, who are literally, they're, they're our game changers. So we'll be looking, we've got a good spread of players and, um, you know, everybody knows their role and is willing to play their role. So I think, you know, while we've got a good solid base, um, we'll need everyone to contribute if we're going to win on, on Saturday. And just on that side note as well, what does it mean to the Launceston Football Club to have three players invited to that AFLW Combine in October? Oh, it's fantastic. I think that's the whole point of um, having the State League now and have it split into two. Um, to be able to have these girls go away and experience um, those kind of things and be able to feed that back to to our club is um, it's amazing. And as a club, we're so proud of the three girls and we know that They've been training hard and working hard on their skills and their fitness so that they can do their best. And obviously, you know, we wish them all the best and we hope they can all get drafted. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're there to support them in any way we can. Well, Angela, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. We wish you all the very best this Saturday afternoon at the University of Tasmania Stadium when you host Glen Orkey in the Tasmanian State League Women's Grand Final. Well, thank you so much. And don't forget to head to girlsplayfooty.com on Saturday morning. We'll have an article previewing the grand final and hopefully as well the link to the vision so you can watch the grand final at the University of Tasmania Stadium in Launceston. Naturally, if you're not in Tasmania, you're not heading along to the game. So keep an eye on girlsplayfooty.com for all the streaming details. There's an old saying, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And Diamond Creek and Darabin meeting in a grand final is almost as, well, predictable as death and taxes. They've met in every grand final from 2012 through to 2015. The only exception being last year where the Creek has just missed out on the finals and 
and it was left to Melbourne University to take on Darabin, where the Falcons ended up winning their fourth flag in a row. The Falcons are looking to win flag number five on the trot and essentially repeat what they did under the Peter Searle era from 2006 to 2010. However, will their arch nemesis in Diamond Creek put a stop to that? That's the big question. This may also be the last ever time that Diamond Creek and Darabin meet. Now, AFL Victoria did ask a month ago for clubs to submit applications to join the VFLW competition. We know, for example, the Essendon Football Club have put their hand up saying they'd like to field a team in the VFLW next year. And we know that there'll be a move to VFL men's grounds for these women's teams to try and get them to better facilities. Cranbourne won't be around next year. Seaford won't be around next year. It looks like the Eastern Devils might be bowing out. Will the Creekers and Darabin still be in this competition in a few months' time? Nobody really knows. So this could be the great send-off between these two great clubs, at least at the very top level of Victorian women's football. So there'll be a lot of emotion in the game. Our first guest joining us on the line is a well-respected footballer, not just throughout the Victorian competition, but from the Canberra competition, which she originally came out of. She's a star player for Melbourne at AFLW. She was this year given the honour of captaining the Darabin Falcons. It's great to have on the line the player they call Junior, the champion herself in Elise O'Day. Elise, thanks for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Pete. How about yourself? Not too bad. I have to ask the question, going into yet another grand final, going for the fifth flag in the row, do you still get the nerves in the belly? Oh, definitely. I get the nerves in the belly before every game. Um, I just think it just shows that you, you, you know, take it seriously and you want to play your best each week, and that involves a few pre-game nerves. So um, it's a bit of an unknown playing on Etihad, and and um, you know what the season's unfolded. We, you know, we we haven't had it all our way this year, so it's been a terrific challenge, and uh, really looking forward to. It. For yourself personally, how have you found the challenge this year being the Darabin captain? Because we need to add, in your side, you already have three AFLW captains and, of course, a number of big personalities in your team as well. Uh, yeah, we've like, we, we, we got some big names, but in terms of like personalities and egos and stuff like that, I think we, I'm, I'm very lucky captain because there's no egos I have to deal with. I, you know, every girl's a leader in her own way and really... Like, I'm just, my name's the captain, I, I, I toss the coin, you know, the team leads itself, so um, it's it's a terrific bunch and I feel like I, I learn just as much from all the other girls that, you know, I, I hope that they learn from me and um, it's been it's been a big challenge because, you know, just managing your load after ASLW and everything that that season took out of you and then, you know, continuing on this year, it's, um, it's definitely been a challenge just physically, um, but in terms of uh, you know, working with this group, I've just loved every second of it. I, you know, they're your best mates, they're your family, and and yeah, I just I, I love coming down to training and being a part of it. Talking about being your family, what did it mean? Um, it was about a month ago. You played your last ever game as a VFLW team at AH Cap Reserve, farewelling the nest for the last time. Yeah, yeah, that was um that was a great day. It was it's funny because. It's it's such a, like it's a bit of a dodgy oval, um, so you didn't I didn't expect to have the feelings I did, but we we sort of had a, um, a like a ceremony type thing, a, a luncheon, sorry, before before the game, and we had some people, you know, that some past players and uh, figures from the club that spoke and spoke about their journeys and what the club meant to them, and uh, like I got really emotional because it was it it. 
it's been the home and um, the sanctuary for, for so many people, not just the current teams that have been playing on it the last few years, but the girls that have been playing on it from 10, 15 years ago. And it was just like, it was just so, so great to sort of, you know, send the oval off the way we did. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it was certainly all, the, even, the, even though the oval uh, isn't too BFL quality itself, um, it, it'll hold a special spot, you know, all, all our hearts. How does it feel going into this Sunday's grand final, knowing you're one step away from equaling the Peter Searle era, that is, of trying to go five in a row? Uh, well, to be honest, I haven't even thought about that. I, all, all I've thought about is, um, you know, playing playing good team footy and the, the rest sort of takes care of itself, you know. You don't, you don't set out to sort of, you know, like, I don't know, make history and... And 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 you know, we don't we don't, I don't we don't even speak about that stuff. We just talk about the things that we can control and, and playing good team footy because that's why you play footy. You you just like we're all here. We're, none of us are getting paid to play for Darabin. We we just want to play our sport to the highest level and the best of our abilities. And that's what we're going to, going to go out trying to achieve on, on the weekend and whatever whatever else happens along with that. You know that will just be a bonus. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, an uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic slip-up for the Darabin Falcons. You got beaten by Diamond Creek in, in the major semi-final, and for the first time in a long time, you had to take the long way around through the preliminary. Uh, you had more players in your side that played in that Origin game compared to Darabin, uh, probably compared to Diamond Creek. Do you think that was a difference as a case of they had the advantage of a, a week off, generally, for most of their team? Oh no, not at all. Uh, Dino was definitely the better team on that day. They they ran and chased harder and um, moved the ball at a frightening pace. And you know, to Dino's credit, like they did, they missed the finals last year and they've come back this season. You know, with 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 an absolute you know intent to to prove you know why they've called themselves you know such a strong club. And you know, we we were well beaten that day and we learnt we, we were far like you know took like. We were far from our best as well, but you know we were beaten soundly on the day. So um, I don't think the origin had had too much to do with it, other than the fact that it just it just has caused a few disruptions in terms of we haven't we haven't um, sort of had a consistent run of games. So you know maybe maybe having to play a couple of games to go the long way round to the grand final meant that at least we could play a few more games as a team and get a bit more continuity um, amongst the players because we sort of keep chopping and changing. One week you're playing. Um, in an origin match against your teammates and the next week you're playing with your teammates and then there's a bye and, you know, it's sort of, it's a bit disruptive and so, like, all I said as a positive, it, it, it gave us a shock to made us, to show us that we're not invincible and teams aren't just going to hand you a win. Um, and it just proves how tough this comp is and, and it just proves how tough it is to win a grand final that you really have to go out there and play you know, with 22 contributors, and and that's what we're going to do on the weekend, or we'll try and do. Talking about uh, trying to find the right combination, how's it been trying to get that right forward structure set up, considering you're missing that star player who's been having a purple patch of a year until her injury in Darcy Vessier? Oh, yeah, it's like, definitely, it, it, you, you do notice it when Darcy Vessier's not on the field, because if the ball hits the ground, there's not someone swarming on it, but in saying that, like it, it gives Darth a good time to have a break, and it and it, and it shows that you know we're, we're not all just about you know a, a one man forward line. So 
uh, you know, gives other girls the opportunity to step up and, and you know, and try and, and try and establish themselves in the VFL side and kick some goals and, and get noticed and, and, and play their role for the team. So as much as we'd love to have Darcy in the side, and, and we definitely miss her because she's just such a great character as well and she's terrific energy in the change rooms and on, on the field. So we definitely miss her in terms of that. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're not all about just the one player and, and um, yeah, it's, it's just it's just another challenge and just it's just something else you just have to roll with, you know. I'm sure Dynamo, you know, they, they haven't got their missing players that I've noticed play AFLW and so, you know, we're, we're both in the same boat. It'll just come down to, you know, I guess we can, we can have 22 contributors on the day. Talking about a challenge, what challenge was laid down to you at three-quarter time by coach Jane Lang against the St Kilda Sharks? You're one goal down. This is the first time ever you're down by a goal in a preliminary final, looking down the barrel at maybe being eliminated. Was it a, was it a fire breather? Was it just a cool, calm approach? What was done to try and make sure that you got back into the game and, importantly, into the grand final? Oh, no, definitely. It, it, it actually was a very calm approach. You know, it, we'd sort of been trailing all day, but we never really felt out of it. We were just, you know, maybe not capitalising as much as we wanted to when we went forward. And we had the wind in the, in the, in the fourth quarter and, you know, we had full faith that we just, we didn't need to rush it. You know, you don't, we, we, we were under no time pressures to get in front. We had a full 20 minutes and, um, you know, it was, it was just the goal that we were behind and it, it's been funny. We, we, you know, the, the thing about this year is, you know, at times we haven't been the best team and we've been beaten by sides like Melbourne Uni and Dymo and, and, and Secure have gotten close on a number of occasions and, and the same sort of, um, the same sort of thing happened when we played Eastern Devils in, in our second game of the season. So we had full belief. Um, in each other and as a team that we can come back and, and win. Um, it was just a matter of, you know, just um, calmly, not calmly, but yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, just having a bit of composure in that last quarter rather than blasting away. And, and yeah, so all, we just had a couple of key uh, key uh, things that we wanted to focus on and, and if we did them, we know we'd get the job done. Is it fair to say your strong suit's been your structure and your composure? One thing we noticed in the final quarter was the Sharks did get a fair bit of the football, but they just bombed it long. And it was the wiseness, should I say, of Katie Brennan, Astro O'Connor, Melissa Hickey to sit one back behind the well, behind the play, one kick back, just to hold that position, take the mark and take any momentum the Sharks had out of the game. Yeah, well, they're, they're not elite players for, for no reason. They they know how to read the player and they know <laughs> when to drop back and, and take those crucial marks. So, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're superstars and they know how to get the job done when, when it counts. So, um, yeah, that, that wasn't much of a surprise to me that they could do that. You've had the opportunity to play on Eddie Had recently as part of the Origin game and then obviously to play the last two games at Coburg. What's the noticeable differences, obviously between an indoor and outdoor stadium, what's the noticeable differences between these two grounds and the style of football you have to play, particularly come Sunday? Uh, yeah, well, the differences between an indoor and an outdoor is that you don't have to worry about the weather. So I um, fully anticipate it to be a fast, fast game and... I don't think it's going to be a sort of slog fest where you can just go from contest to contest and, and it, you know, it can get stuck in one corner of the field for the, for, you know, for a majority of the quarter. I think, I think to win, you, you really do have to move the ball fast and take risks and kick goals because I think there'll be a lot of goals kicked. I can just, I think, um, 
what Dymo have proven in the last, uh, you know, the last few times we played them is that they can move the football, and um, you know they'll hit up those forty-five degree kicks and um, and they'll take it on and go, and you know, so they'll be fully, fully, uh, you know, trying to execute and kick goals. So um, yeah, and and we'll be trying to counter that and do the same thing. So hopefully. Hopefully, the, the, you know, the game opens up and it's fast paced and, you know, it's exciting and it's exciting to be a part of. Um, but I've got no idea how to turn out. I just, I've played on Eddie had a couple of times now, but in those exhibition matches where you sort of don't get a lot of team footy happening, unless you're Victoria. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 I'm really interested to see how the, how two VFL sides will go on Eddie had. This could be the last time that Darriman and Dymo play. We have really no idea what the VFLW will look like next year, uh, considering the move now to VFL men's grounds for most of the clubs. Um, do you think there'll be a, a bit of extra emotion in this last game, considering the great rivalry between these two clubs and the fact that it may be the last time ever you play each other? Yeah, I think you've nailed it. I think um, that's really the only the only thing I'll be thinking about going into the game is that I, I'm, I'll be hoping that it isn't the last time I play with this bunch of girls because I think they're a terrific bunch of girls and, you know, I've got some really great friendships here and I love playing football here and I think our football shows that. I think, you know, we, we love playing good team football and we, you know, when things don't go our way, we don't turn on each other. We, you know, we, we embrace the challenge and, you know, I just I just really enjoy, you know, this, this group and this, the culture that Darren brings. So, um, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm really wrapped and, and proud to be part of this group, and I hope I hope I'm glad that we've got to to play you know as many games as possible this year. You know, if anything, that's that's the bonus of playing a grand final. Is that at least you've played as many games as possible, and 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 hopefully given off a good send off. If it is if it is the send off that you know if it is the last time we all play together and to play against each other, so it it'll be it'll be a little sad, but uh, I'll be more focused on just trying to get the job done. Well, Lise, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy. We wish you all the very best this Sunday in the first ever VFL Women's Grand Final to be played at Etihad Stadium. Yeah, thanks very much, Kate. So let's turn to the Falcons' opponents, Diamond Creek. The Creekers are the last team to beat Darabin in a grand final back in 2012. To that point, it was the only time ever the Creekers had beaten the Falcons. The next time they would beat them would be just two weeks ago in the major semi-final Piranha Park at Coburg City Oval. Can they do it again? Can they get back-to-back victories over the Falcons? It's a big question, and it'll only be answered on Sunday afternoon. It's great to have on the line a woman that uh, played in the 2012 Premiership for Diamond Creek, who was named as their fullback for their team of the decade, a well-respected footballer throughout the Victorian women's football community. She's had a bit of a bad run with injuries over the last couple of years, which has denied her from playing exhibition match football. But with herself back fit and ready after a full pre-season and uh, a year where she's been named in the VFLW Team of the Year, there is no doubt that she'll be picked up in the October draft to play AFLW football. It's great to have on the line co-captain of the Diamond Creek Women's Football Club in Tanya Hetherington. Tanya, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. Great to have you back, not only just here on Girls Play Footy, but also back on the footy field. How does it feel to be running around again after having spending a year off, not only coaching, but obviously having to recuperate from the ACL? 
Yeah, it's great. It re- I really do feel like, um, I guess you could say a kid again, because you just, when you've got, you know, spent an extended period of time on the sidelines, you just really want to get back out onto the field and, and just enjoy playing the game again. So, you know, I, to be in this position at the moment on the eve of the grand final, um, it's just been, you know, a really, really enjoyable season for me. And, I, and I've loved every minute of being back out there. Uh, personally, did, did you find a bit of a shock when you come onto the ground in round one to notice how different the game has changed in just the space of a year? Yeah, I knew, like I was prepared for that. And I, I mean, you hear it all the time that people say that a year out, everything changes. And obviously on the back of the AFL women's season as well, I knew that the game definitely would change and, you know, the pace of the game and everything like that. So, um, but yeah, I guess to come back round one, I think we were playing Seaford. So um, it was a really good test, I guess, to see how myself and the team would go. And I think that was a really good game for me to come back into. Um just to get a feel of it again. But, yeah, I definitely noticed, uh, you know, a year later, like even just, I mean, everyone's saying it, but just the skills, like the skills have improved heaps. I mean, everyone's fitter. Everyone's just better than they were a year ago. So, yeah, I definitely noticed it. (laughs) Let's flash back about 13 months. It was late August 2016, Box Hill City Oval. All the Creekers are gathered around in a circle. It's the first time you've missed finals in eight years. Since that date, what has happened for the Creekers? You've managed to pick up Sophie Apatangelo. You picked up Chloe Malloy, who just happens to be a local living nearby, which was a bonus. You picked up from Bendigo, Karen Harrington and Emma Grant. You picked up Ashley Riddell from Fitzroy. Was it just a case of they walked in the door or was it very deliberate recruiting? Yeah, I think... uh... Um, it's a bit of a combination of, of luck that we probably deserved. I think after last year, um, you know, we just had no luck at all last year. So I think that, uh, you know, someone's smiling down on us because Chloe Malloy, for example, she was just a local who decided that she wanted to, you know, get back into football. So she knew um, Sophie Abatangelo first and I think she'd made the decision to come to football. She also was really good friends with Brittany Gretsch. So I think the luck there of just having those two, you know, decide that they wanted to pick up footy, um, um, you know, that was just pure luck to get them to come to the Creeker. So that was fantastic. And then obviously a little bit of deliberate recruiting with the Bendigo girls. Um, yeah, there was a relationship there with Scotty Gowans, our new coach. So, you know, that's, that was really targeted recruiting. And, and we were just really lucky, I guess, to, to get some new recruits back and players back from injury. And, and I think just that well-deserved luck that we missed out on in 2016. <laughs> Having a look through the season, you got the ball going early, got quite a number of wins on the board, um, a little slip up against St Kilda, but along the journey, you managed to knock off Darabin by a point on your home deck. Now, to be fair, there was about, I think, four of Darabin's starters missing out for that day, but what did it mean early on the season to have a win against Darabin under your belt? Yeah, huge, because we, you know, in my time um, at the Creekers, I think that's pretty much the club's history of playing them. We'd only beaten them once, and that was in the 2012 Grand Final. So we'd never beaten them in the home and away season before. So I really do think that was huge for us and our belief in the season that was to come, that we could knock them off in the home and away, because we it just meant that we wouldn't have to get to this point in finals and actually still be like, okay, well, you know, it's a huge challenge to try and beat them. So, yeah, I think that gave us a heap of confidence, even though we did know that they weren't anywhere near full strength. I think that, you know, I think it was round two, round two or three, something like that. So we were quite, you know, when you put all of us girls together, like it was such a new team. So it was still a really big win for us to to know that we could gel together and, and get over the top of Darabin 
um, yeah, early on in the season. Prior to the finals, what game did you think was your best performance? I mean, for example, we were there to watch you against Melbourne Uni when you flexed your muscles that day for a seven-goal win. Yeah, I know totally the Melbourne Uni game because I think we that was the game that we set ourselves, I guess, as as a real challenge. Like we're like, yep, this is going to determine, you know, where where we sit. And I think that that was such a complete performance. That was probably our best four quarter performance for the season. Obviously, before um, the final on the weekend, but I think that was a real. Uh, four, four quarter performance. We set ourselves for it and we performed, you know, how we knew we could perform. I think a couple of games before that, you know, we were playing some of the teams that obviously were finished lower on the ladder last year and we were just getting the job done. But to come up against Melbourne Uni, who we knew, you know, especially on paper, like they've got a fantastic side. So to be able to do what we did that day, I think that was, yeah, when we really knew that, you know, we were on for a really good season. Later in the year, you took on Darabin again at Preston City Over. You jumped him early, had the lead, and then in a bit of an arm wrestle of a contest, I think there was probably about three mistakes that you made when you when you tried to go for a switch of the football. And unfortunately, Darabin punished you each time and the Falcons came away from the win. What did Scott say to the team after that? Because it could have been very easy to drop the shoulders and go, oh no, Darabin are back again. What did he say to keep focused, keep positive, knowing that, of course, you were going to have to meet them again eventually? Yeah, well, I think, again, you know, it was timely to get that challenge because we were sitting on top of the ladder. It, it was really important, I guess, to – that was the the second test. We were like, okay, well, again, we're going to find out where we're at. Darabin were at full strength, and it was a really good opportunity to test where, where we were at. So, you know, in hindsight, it was probably another blessing that we were showing up. But also I think the difference is that we focused on what we did Right, because like you said, uh, Pete, we cost ourselves big time in that game. And had we not made those mistakes, who knows, you know, how the result would have gone. So I think we had, you know, despite that being a real disappointment, because it was definitely a disappointment to lose that game. I think we also got great belief that we were in the game for majority of the periods and that there's things within our control that we could work on. So that's really what we did after that is that we worked on those deficiencies and, you know, obviously it's shown in the game that we played them that you can reverse that result. So um, Scott really was just focusing on the positives, but, you know, not letting us off the hook either that, you know, there's definitely things that we need to improve on, which I think we did. That game against Darabin at Coburg City Oval, the major semi-final, uh, we put it down to the second quarter when you got a couple of goals, you got that break and you pulled away from them. But it all seemed to start really in the first term, the tackling pressure. What was said in the rooms? What was the build-up like to be able to come out that fired up and, to be honest, make Darabin look fairly flat? Yeah, well, I think, you know, most people associate Diamond Creek with having that fierce tackling pressure, especially. We're, we're probably known for that hard contested footy, but just, you know, probably not getting enough reward for effort. So I think in terms of our start, I think that Darabin would always expect that from us. I think most people watching probably expected that and wouldn't have thought too much, you know, of it after the first quarter. But the second quarter, like you said, was where we were actually able to put our foot down and get some scoreboard dominance. And I think that was the difference is we were getting got that reward for effort because our pressure was, you know, intense. And I think, um, you know, most people who love footy, I mean, we had a great example on the Friday night with the Richmond-Geelong game. They were just amazing. And I think we did, you know, we did speak about that, that, you know, look what they did to Geelong and that we're able to do that. So, but I definitely think having that uh, scoreboard pressure just gives you that extra bit of a lift to keep, you know, doing what you're doing and, um, you know, that things will work out. So I think that was the main difference. 
couple of huge performances that day. First of all, Shay Audley going up against Daisy Pierce and Daisy having a very quiet day at the office. Karen Harrington keeping Katie Brennan in check. And the performance of Emma Grant as well across halfback, almost giving extra leadership, if you'd like. Yeah, I, I really liked um, that move of you know Emma Grant back, and I think really that's a massive testament to Scott Gowans and the way he's coached this season is that we we've really tried to be versatile. So you know, coming to a final, you know, Emma's probably played fifty percent forward, fifty percent back, but she can just come back and. You know, yeah, like I said, with the leadership there, but I think, um, you know, same with Kez, like she's, I mean, she's just going to be a brilliant footballer. Like she's one of those incredible athletes again. And just, you know, she's one of those people that you can just ask to do a role and she'll just do it. She'll give it her best shot. So I think, um, you know, the, all the girls in the side this year or anyone who's come in and played is really just, I mean, it's going to sound cliche, but just play your role. So, you know, it, it could be anyone. You could have mentioned anyone there and I would have been able to rack off something about what they did. But, I mean, that's I think that's really probably been our best um, skill this year. It's just that we've got so many players willing to do their bit for the team. So, yeah. With yourself back, Katie Loins back and Shay Audley all back from injury, how much has that been of a blessing for Stephanie Kiyochi? Because it seemed to be last year that she had to do everything and be everywhere to try and help the Creekers out because there were so many away injured. How has it been that she's had that pressure off? And as we saw on uh, Major Semi-Final Day, being able to create some blistering runs. Yeah, no, you're, you're definitely right there. I think, you know, it's not just having those um, three players back that you mentioned, but this year, you know, and again, touch wood, but we've had a fantastic run with injuries, which is also credit to that we've had a really good strength and conditioning program um, pretty much ever since last year. But um, it ha- we've com- uh, commented a lot this season that we haven't relied or haven't needed to rely on certain individuals like we have in the past. So you're right. So Chotch is often, ha- you know, we-, we need her to do some miracle things sometimes to get over the line last year. But, um, you know, this year's just we've had such an even spread of performances. So, um, and, and like I said, having, having you know, certain... 30 girls to pick, 30 to 40 girls to pick from every week makes a huge difference. So, um, yeah, I think that that was really pleasing as well last week that we don't have to rely on, you know, any one player, but people can still play their roles and, you know, Choch can still do her thing and, and um, yeah. I'm interested to know what the highlight that Scott Gowan's focused on out of that major semi-final because the one thing that we spotted uh, in, from our commentary position on major semi-final day, and it may seem a little silly, but we thought it just shows how the Creekers have developed. It actually involved yourself, and I think it might have been Laura Jarea with you. It was the dying stages of the third quarter. There's about 30 seconds to go or so, maybe even a bit more, uh, yeah. and you just kicked the ball between yourselves, just yeah. worked it back 70 metres and, you know, without dropping the ball, clean disposal, took it right back to defence with composure and just kept the ball away from Darabin at all costs. Yeah, well, that's obviously something that um, we've been, fo- you know, focusing on and, um, you know, practising, I guess. And, uh, yeah, I remember that. I do remember that now that you mentioned that. And, yeah, that, I guess that just – that's probably – a highlight of of the difference of the Diamond Creek of 2017 in previ- uh, compared to previous years is we just haven't you know had that composure I guess to be able to do that but and also belief and I think that's probably what that was out there is a bit of belief and you know and trust like we really have a lot of trust in each other so yeah that I guess that part of that highlight of play probably just showed that that you know we we I guess it's almost like you know you've got a job to do and and that's a part of it. Like it's a, it was a third quarter, but we still, you know, you can never rule Darabin out from a comeback ever. So I think just being able to 
follow through with that. That was really good just before three-quarter time. Looking ahead to the grand final as you take on Darabin again, I'm interested to note as Choch and, uh, and, and Laura and Clara, who played in the um, International Cup grand final on an Etihad Stadium, have they started to, I guess, weave in their advice on what the game plan should be heading into this Sunday, considering that Etihad's a different kettle of fish to Coburg City Oval? Yeah, no, we haven't haven't exactly discussed that yet, but I'm sure it'll come up, you know, at training this week when we hit the track Tuesday and Thursday. But I'm yeah, I'm sure that, you know, the girls will be asking them about, you know, what it's like and asking for advice. I think there's a few girls in this in the side who've played on there before, but probably not that many. But I think it's really more just about excitement. I don't think you need to to change you know, you don't want to go away, I guess, from from what's worked for you, but it's more just about the excitement of playing on that ground. Like, I think, um, you know, it's going to be a huge opportunity for, for the girls and, you know, for both teams who haven't played on that deck before. But, um, yeah, we'll definitely be asking them what it was like, but I, I don't think that you, you change too many things um, going into the ground because even with Coburg, you know, I don't think, for me personally, Diamond Creek hadn't had much success on Coburg City Oval before. But obviously, again, when we played Darabin in that first final, you know, it was it was fine. So, um, yeah, I think more just excitement to get out and play on Etihad. What does this Sunday mean for the Diamond Creek Women's Football Club? And, and, I, and I look at two points of view. One, obviously, being your club, being shown across Victoria live on Channel 7. The other being, uh, and we don't know really what the future holds for the VFLW next year with AFL clubs wanting to bring in sides into the VFLW competition. And we don't know if Diamond Creek and Darabin will be around next year. We simply don't know. What does this mean that this could be the last ever game between these two sides at this level? Yeah, no, you've you've really summed it up well there, Pete. I think it means everything. I think it would, and it, it's it's kind of fitting that it is Diamond Creek versus Darabin because we have played off in so many grand finals, and and each one of them's meant you know a huge amount to both clubs. So you know, yeah, like we 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 haven't actually spoken about it too much, but it'll definitely be brought up this week. I think with the fact that it could be the last time. None of, we don't know what the future holds, but um, yeah, it, it means it means a lot to us. It would mean it would would mean a lot to come away and. And, you know, you walk away with the Premiership Cup because we're, you know, I know Darabin would say the same with them, but we're just such a proud club and, and we really are like family. So I think it would just be, you know, an absolute dream come true to, to finish that off and, you know, without knowing what's going to happen in the future, but definitely be playing for each other and playing for the club and the community. Tanya, we know for yourself personally you've been bloody unlucky over the last couple of years with a couple of injuries just at the wrong moment, just denying you a chance of exhibition match football or, or the draft like last year. You've had a full season now under your belt. You're looking good. You've been named in the VFLW team of the year. Are you throwing your hat in the ring for AFLW 2018? Oh, yeah, thanks, Pete. Um, absolutely. Like That's definitely been a dream of mine. And, um, you know, whilst things have happened in the past, you can't control it. You've just got to, you know, do, you do what you can control. So for me, it was just really just about in getting back to footy and enjoying it this year. But yeah, I've definitely got ambitions of hopefully getting drafted. So I'll have my fingers crossed. But um, you know, yeah, at the moment, obviously just focusing on this coming Sunday. But um, no, hopefully, you know, I. I I could be running out in the AFLW because I'd absolutely love to. <laughs> and we should just point out, just in case any particular coach is listening, that uh, you, you do like the black and white stripes, don't you? <laughs> I am a Collingwood supporter, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully Chotch might just put in a quiet word with the coach. <laughs> I've still been trying to get her to introduce me to Pendles, and that hasn't happened, so I won't hold my breath. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, Tanya, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and we wish you and the Diamond Creek Women's Football Club all the very best this Sunday in the VFL Women's Grand Final at Etihad Stadium. Thanks very much, Pete. We are counting down the days and hours until the first bounce of the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Grand Final at Etihad Stadium. We'll be live on RSN Carnival from 11am on Sunday morning for that 12pm bounce down. The man that will be our lead caller for that big day, that big game, is Matthew Cox. Coxie, thanks very much for joining us. How are you? I'm raring to go, Pete. Looking forward to what's going to be a big weekend of football, particularly with the VFL Women's competition. We've had a great final series so far. I reckon there's another twist before we close the chapter on 2017. Let's take a look back at the preliminary final that was played at Quebec City Oval on the Saturday between the Sharks and the Falcons. With the breeze, the Sharks got an early lead, not a big margin, I think only a goal. And um, when when the Falcons hit the front in a low-scoring game, I think at that stage we were planning the Falcons to run away with it. Yeah, we were. It was a it was a funny it was a funny old game because you felt like St Kilda. The game was played on their terms, but unfortunately for them, they just didn't capitalise when they were going forward. They had a brilliant uh, third term where they were able to to get out to a, a six point lead. Um, but beyond that, uh, they they were really more. Uh, Darabin just trying to arm wrestle their way back into the contest. At three-quarter time, you thought maybe the, the Sharks are going to go on with this. You just thought they had a bit of belief in them, that there was something there, but there was a little bit of doubt as well as to whether they could actually run it out after uh, that gutsy performance the week before against the Muggers. And for Darabin, you knew the challenge was coming, as, as we always say, when they're under the pump, they always bring something to the table. And it came in the last quarter. And it wasn't the, the typical Dar- Darabin challenge that we've seen in the past where the whole team rises to the occasion. It was the three stars of the Darabin Falcons side in Astor O'Connor, Katie Brennan and Melissa Hickey that really stood up. They uh, took the responsibility. They grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck. They placed themselves perfectly across the ground and stopped any attack forward for the St Kilda Sharks, turned the game on its head and they were able to, to get the victory. It wasn't a comprehensive one, uh, and they still don't look like the Darabin uh, we know, uh, which is a bit of concern heading into the grand final, but they got the job done, which all good sides we know do. The one thing that puzzled us was during the final quarter, the Sharks did go in with a one-goal lead, the Falcons, after about, I think, seven or eight minutes, managed to square it up before finally getting a goal to hit the front. We're talking about five, six, seven minutes to go. Our eyes looked to the St Kilda Sharks bench, and there was co-captain Penny Reed on the bench trying to get on the ground, and Tilly Lucas-Rod, who was nominated as a NAB Rising star, classy player for Carlton, both of them trying to get back on the ground. And for the life of me, not only just Tilly Lucas-Rod, a great player, but one of your co-captains, a leader, is off the ground when the game is on the line. To me, that doesn't make sense. No, it was almost like they didn't fault under under pressure, but they did, in hindsight, I think they'd reflect on the game and uh, believe that they could have done things a little bit differently. The other one, obviously, having those two on the bench hurt them, but having Bree Davey, now we know Bree wasn't, Right, she had some sort of a, a groin complaint over the last two weeks coming out of the State of Origin game. So we knew she wasn't at 100%, but she'd been thrown in the middle 
for various patches throughout the afternoon. And for her to start in the forward line uh, for the start of the last quarter, that just didn't sit right. If you if you want to win the game, you've got to have your, your main bullock around the footy, extracting it, doing something with it. And even if she hasn't got her hands on the footy, just creating the presence in the midfield to, to have Darabin second-guessing. The fact that she started up forward meant that they relied on the midfield to get the supply to her to create that presence. And as you said, having Tilly Lucas Rod on the bench, which is probably the, the next best midfielder along for the St Kilda Sharks, and then having Penny Killer read that safe pair of hands coming out of defensive 50. It just There was a few things that didn't make sense for the St Kilda Sharks. It didn't lose them the game. I, I think what lost them the game was that they just... They just didn't kick enough goals. They, Diamond Creek the week before did a similar thing, started well, uh, as did the Sharks on the weekend. But the, the one difference was that the Creekers were able to apply scoreboard pressure in the second term, and that really rattled Darabin. St Kilda Sharks left the door ajar, which in the end cost them. Well, it's interesting you say that because speaking with Tanya Hetherington, as we heard earlier on the show, uh, she did mention that the difference is for Diamond Creek this year was a case of not just pressure. They've always been a side that's been known for their pressure, but they're actually converting that into scoreboard pressure as well. And they did that against Darabin, which put them away. Unfortunately, the Sharks didn't. And I guess it goes to highlight for Jasmine Garner. There's a lot of hype around her. She's been having, to be fair, a great year. But the comparisons of her and Katie Brennan together, she's not at the Brennan level yet. To be fair, Brennan's four or five years older. She's still got a way to go, Garner, to have influence on the big games like what was required. And unfortunately, she's not quite at that level yet to deliver like she unfortunately didn't on uh, Saturday. No, and that's the, the leadership and experience. I think the other factor you can there is that Katie Brennan's probably played in a lot more successful finals than mm-hmm. than what Jasmine Garner's played in at the top level of sport. And I, I reflect back, I think it was late in the third quarter or early in the fourth where Katie Brennan, she started inside attacking 50, knew she wasn't getting her hands on the footy, so she went down to the half-back flank and they got a, a kick in from a, a behind and she went there and she took the mark and, and as she was one of the players that, that stood up when the going got tough for, for Darabin and virtually won them the game alongside Astor O'Connor and uh, Louis Hickey. But you, you're right, it's just that that gen, general awareness of when the game's on the line, this is what you need to do. And I, don't, I, I know we, we single out Jasmine Garner because she's had a fantastic finish to the 2017 season and the comparisons are coming thick and fast between her and Katie Brennan, especially from yours truly. But um, I think it's to do with the whole Sharks side. I think as we discussed in the broadcast on the weekend, apart from Penny Kilareed, Brianna Davey, uh, Ray Clifford, yeah, but the, the, they, those, those three are probably the senior leaders of the side and underneath that, there's a big uh, gap between the next rung of players coming through. They're, they're probably just that little bit too green and don't have the experience under their belt to to be able to enforce themselves on the contest. Having said that, Brie Davies only been playing Australian rules football for for a couple of years. So, I mean, her leadership qualities have come from playing other sports as well and transferring them into the, to the game. But it, it just seems that there's that gap between those that know what to do when the going gets tough and those that are probably 
the followers and, and would, would jump on the, the coattails of, of those leading the charge. And I, I just think that'll, that'll all come with experience for those, those players because they're all quite young. But I think that was the other thing that cost them. They just didn't have the game awareness, the experience and the leadership to be able to back themselves and, and know where to go on the ground when the going got tough, know when to slow the game down, know when to speed it up and attack. And that's, I think, the other thing uh, that Diamond Creek has changed this year as well is the fact that they do have that awareness. They do know how to control the tempo of the game, where I think the Sharks are just that that little step off. So let's have a look at the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Grand Final. Bounce Down is at 12pm on the dot Sunday afternoon at Etihad Stadium. We're live on air on RSN Carnival from 11am with a one-hour pre-game show and then the call of the game. It must be said for Diamond Creek that when they beat Darabin on the major semi-final just a couple of weeks ago, which was uh, Tanya Heverington's uh, 150th game. What a milestone, and to win that game. That was the first time they'd beaten them since 2012. And prior to that, the 2012 grand final was the only other time they'd actually ever beaten Darabin. So that's how rare victories are over the Falcons. Just heading into this one, I've got a feeling you've got to give the Creekers the favouritism. Well, you certainly do. The, the fact that they've had the week off, I think, on one side of the coin, only playing one game in the space of three weeks is a, is a little bit of a concern in terms of match fitness, but, you know, they, they do all the training to ensure that they're right and ready to go, so I don't know how much you can read into that theory. But on the other side of the coin, you've got a Darabin side, which about half of the players are very tired. They're, they've played a lot of footy in 2017, and I reckon a few of them are just struggling coming out of the back of that State of Origin game. I think that's done Darabin a lot of damage, um, it, just in terms of being physically fit, but also mentally fit as well. I, I, I just don't think the the players, you know, the, the standout players for, for the Darabin side that did play in that game, I just get the feeling that they're, they're not switched on, they're, they're not focused on the the VFL women's competition for for one reason or another. Now that could be, you know, that's just me speculating as to what I've seen over the last couple of weeks. But they've just looked very flat. The energy isn't there, which means that they they've got sloppy execution, which is something that Tarabin have never ever had. They've always been great kicks of the footy. They've always used the disposal efficiently, and they just haven't been doing that over the last couple of weeks. And I think. Daisy Pearce and Elise O'Day, the, the former ca- captain and the current captain, you just look at their form and they just they don't look right. And I, I think having those two as, as the two big pillars of the club, they having them not playing at 100% or, or even, I think they're probably operating around 50% at the moment. Well, it, it, the, it's, it's interesting you say that because I was reading a, a piece online, I think it was from Geordie Cowan, I think from... Um, from leading newspapers who interviewed Jane Lang, you know, and, and uh, the coach of Darabin going on to say, oh, you know, Daisy played well for us in the preliminary final. I don't know if she's trying to keep a positive attitude and pump her up a bit, or maybe she's just seeing that, you know, Darabin will read too, pardon me, Diamond Creek will read too much into it. But for my money, like you were saying, Daisy's looking very, very flat to me, and she just hasn't, in my book, pulled up right from that Etihad Stadium match. 
put it this way, the, the game that I saw her play for the big V is completely different to the two performances that she's put out onto the park um, over the last two weeks. And now, I, I know we've all got high expectations. She's one of the best female footballers going around, probably one of the best female athletes as well. But when when she's not performing at that high expectation, you know something's not quite right. Now, whether she's carrying something or whether she's had the flu like we think's gone through the Falcons over the last couple of weeks, or she's just tired after what has been a very long year. It just feels like they're just scraping across the line. Um, and in a way, you kind of feel sorry because a couple of weeks ago, she was up in lights and, and the best on-ground performance at Etihad. Maybe returning to Etihad might spark that up this weekend. Who knows? But you just don't... It's not... It's not the Daisy Pierce we know, and it's not the Darabin Falcons that we know. Um, I thought maybe on the weekend they would have produced a performance similar to a, the scrap type of game that we saw early on in, in the year, that, that hunger, the drive. Even though the the polish wasn't there, you could still see the, the structure or, or, or the... Uh, the motivation to go in after the footy, it wasn't really there on the weekend. And I don't know whether it's because they're, they're lacking that, that bit of leadership at the top because they're not having great performances or whether it's because the, the bottom, the middle range players to the bottom range players just really don't know what to do when the others aren't firing. The one thing that we spotted on the weekend was the predominant ruck work done by Shannon Egan and Asta O'Connor and virtually Lauren Pierce just floating about, which seems very weird for Melbourne's number one ruck in the AFLW not to be really having any impact whatsoever this final series. Yeah, and probably one of the, the best emerging ruck women in, going around in uh, female football nationally, not just in Victoria, uh, which makes you think, again, is she carrying something? Because she's done that for the last two weeks. O'Connor's done a hell of a lot of ruck work, whereas earlier in the year the roles were reversed as uh, O'Connor was coming back from injury and she was fl- the floater across half back, and Lauren Pierce was doing a, a majority of the ruck work. So, again, you just get the sense that there's a few players in that Falcon side that's that are a bit banged up and bruised. And having gone the extra week and played a, a fairly physical game with the St Kilda Sharks, it was, as I said before, it was a bit of an arm wrestle on the weekend. So it was it was a tough match for them. They're coming up against a Diamond Creek side that A, is fresh, but B, full of confidence. The way that they played against Darabin uh, almost a fortnight ago, was extraordinary, and it's not what I expected. And it wasn't for the whole game. They they did take the foot off the throttle towards the end of it. It was a moment of probably 10, 15 minutes early in the second term where they were able to get, as we were talking about before, the scoreboard pressure on Darabin, and that really, really rattled them. And it's the first time Diamond Creek in the, the games that I've, called uh, over the years for them when they've played the Falcons. It's the only time that I've seen them being able to execute that scoreboard pressure. They've always, as you say, been able to bring the, the physical aspect to it and, and really corner Darabin, but to, to be able to apply the scoreboard pressure really, really rattled them. And the other thing was their skills, they were executing perfectly. Yes, there were a couple of times where they went back into old habits and there were long bombing kicks. But most of the time, 
They were calculated passes. They were methodical with how they went about it. They kept to their structure and at the end of the day got them the result. And I think that's all they need to do again this time around. I think if they can get out to a good start, again, apply the pressure that they always do in the first quarter, but kick goals. And I reckon by half time they need to have a three or four goal margin in front of Darabin to have one hand on the Premiership Cup. If it's a close game at half time it'll go it could go either way. Um, especially as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, Darabin seem to come back, uh, particularly in the last quarter. They they throw things at it and they've got the experience there to, to be able to, to shut things down. So you, you get the sense that the Diamond Creek need the perfect start on the weekend and they need to put scoreboard pressure on. And I, I honestly think that they can do that. They've got the firepower now to be able to do that. They've got a great midfield, they've got a great forward line and their defensive line is also pretty good. So they've all they've got all bases covered. They can throw players around their versatile side as well now. So um, for me, uh, going into this weekend, they've, they've got to be favourites. As I mentioned earlier about the Darabin Rucks, they're going to have to compete with the likes of Diamond Creek packing Alison Downey, Tiana Ernst, and for backup, Clara Fitzpatrick and Laura Jaray. So <laughs> they're, 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 not, they're not short when it comes to tall timber. There's no question about that. Even Chloe Malloy, I think, made one or two jumps for a ruck contest as well just to show her versatility. But it's interesting to note when we talk about fresh players, it was the fresher players for Diamond Creek that really did the damage against Darabin. You had Karen Harrington, originally recruited from the Bendigo Thunder, who ran with Katie Brennan. And even though he didn't shut Brennan completely out of the game, but she curtailed any influence Brennan had. You had Emma Grant, former Bendigo Thunder captain, who was just uh, quarterbacking around centre-half back and just controlling things, adding extra leadership. And you had Chloe Malloy allowed to have a one-on-one inside 50 with Libby Birch. Yes, Malloy only got two goals, but the way that she controlled that inside 50 area and got given that space, she was able to hold up the ball and then allow the likes of Bernardi to come into play to snap a goal. She controlled the space that was 20 metres out from goal that allowed Kiyochi and Danny to score crucial goals in the second quarter. Big ticks there. So the fresher players doing the job there for the Creekers. Yeah, and uh, you wonder whether, or you wonder how Darabin are going to combat it this weekend because it'd be fair to say because it works so well for them in in the major semi final that those tactics or similar tactics are going to be employed again on on Sunday afternoon. So how are Darabin going to overcome? Will Birch go to to Malloy? I'm 50-50. I know she's she's taken the number one forward over the last couple of weeks, but I think you'd start her on on her, and then if she's not making much impact, then there's got to be a change down there because I think Birch can be freed up to play more of an aggressive role across half back uh, for the Falcons, and and if she's not, you know, if Malloy kicks a couple of goals early, then then something's got to change there. Does um, does Brennan get the same matchup as she did last last game out? Probably yes. Brennan's going to be have to be smarter to be able to get rid of the tag. Um, even though she did get possessions in that major semi-final, they 
weren't in an attacking part of the ground. And we saw on the weekend when she was most damaging was when she was hovering around the half-forward area. So I think making the likes of Hetherington and Moorcroft a bit more accountable around the 50-metre arc for the Falcons, I think that's going to have to be her responsibility. I know she's a, she plays well up the ground, but I think she's... Without Darcy Vessio inside attacking 50, Katie Brennan's got the responsibility on her shoulders to kick most of the goals for, for the Falcons. And then I think the other, the other big question is the midfield. Um, who, you know, how are we going to see the, the midfield matchup? We've seen the, the likes of uh, Hickey rotate through there. Obviously, Daisy Pierce is another one on the other side of the coin. You've had uh, Steph Chiocci, who's had a fantastic year for the, for the Diamond Creek side. You've got uh, Moines that uh, rotates through there, although predominantly plays up forward. Riddle, who's had a, an outstanding season and, and, and can play any role on the on the park. So uh, that's going to be an enticing battle. That's almost mouth-watering, getting ready to watch two of the, the elite midfield combinations line up against each other on the weekend. I think the only way that Darabin can win the game, and I believe it's the tactic they'll probably go with, is that they know they won't be able to beat Diamond Creek for speed because they seem to be tired and flat at the moment. The only way they can beat Diamond Creek is with the mind games. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of niggle on early in the game, particularly they'll go after some of the younger players, whether it be Malloy, whether it be Renee Hicks, whether it be Ashley Riddle, I think they'll target the younger players physically and try and work them over. Legal or illegal, who knows? It's grand final. You throw the rule book out the window, as I say. <laughs> but I think that they'll try and they'll try and create a bit of niggle early and they'll virtually be busting a gut to try and get the first goal. Because if they can get some physical dominance early, Darabin, and the first goal, then for them they're able to plant the seed of doubt in the Creekers' head. Because, again... The Creekers, uh, if you count the major semi-final from two weeks ago, have only twice in their history beaten the Falcons. Yeah, and that's that's the advantage for Darabin. They've got the, the mental advantage, not only of uh, the the success rate over Diamond Creek, but the success rate in grand finals. They've got the premierships to back it up, and they've got the experience to be able to play these games. And if they are able to bring a bit of pressure early on and rattle, especially some of the younger players in their in their first season of the VFLW for for Diamond Creek, then uh, they are there's certainly a chance. You can't you can't rule them out. If there's one thing I've learned over the last couple of weeks, you can't put a red line through through the Darabin name. They they are always there. They they stick around like a bad smell. They 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 are just constantly napping at the heels. And even when you think that they're done and dusted, they'll come back with another another uh, another fight. You, you look at how they started 2017. Everyone had written them off after round four when they were two and two. Everyone was saying, "Oh, it's not the Darabin side that we we know." Um, they're going to be no good this year. They'll miss finals. What do they do? They finish on top of the ladder. Now, it's 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 incredible what they've achieved in their history as a club, and 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 again, what they've been able to do this season with so many stars in that side that, as we said before, have played a lot of footy throughout 2017. They fi- found a way to manage them and get them to this point. They've found a way to blood youngsters, get them into the side and and get them to play a role. And they've continued to win. So they've got a a fantastic strike rate. 
and that's what makes me think, you know, everyone's saying Diamond Creek are the red-hot favourites, but uh, it could be another turn after a poor couple of weeks. Wouldn't Darabin love to get the jump on Diamond Creek in the first quarter on the weekend? And, and if they do that, they'll run away with the victory. If it's a, if it's more than a, a two or three goal a quarter time in the advantage of the Falcons, they're going to run away with it. And there's, you know, they've got the experience to be able to do that. So, Coxie, your tips. Who will win, by how much, and who takes out the best on ground? Having said all that, and I know they haven't got the great greatest uh, track record against the Falcons in grand finals, but uh, I'm sticking with Diamond Creek. I, I just think they're going to be too fresh. The mental uh, aspect of the game is a bit of an issue, but if they can combat that early, let the football do the talking, then I think they'll be on track to securing a premiership victory. I think it'll be a tight game. I don't think it's going to get blow away like it did last time. I think it's only going to be a, a 10-point victory to Diamond Creek on the weekend. And I'll tell you what, she's had a fantastic season today. She made the TOC Cup Team of the Year. She won their Best of Fairest. She made the VFL Women's Team of the Year. It was the leading goal kicker in both uh, competitions. Chloe Malloy, I think, is going to cap off a brilliant 2017 season and take out the best on ground. Well, for the record, I've seen Darabin since that uh, game against the Spurs where they were going at 30% but still won the game and made us all go, hmm. I saw him against uh, the Creekers at Coburg. I saw him against the St Kilda Sharks. Even though there were flashes of the Darabin of old where sometimes their structure, particularly in that final quarter against the Sharks, came into play, I look at it and I go, this reminds me very much of Melbourne Uni when we saw them in July against the Creekers and the Sharks and the Muggers looked cooked. And I think the Falcons are cooked. I think they'll give a bit of a yelp, but I don't think they can go the full distance for my book, Darcy Vessio being out injured is a massive, massive blow to the Falcons. Not just for the fact that she can kick probably three or four goals in a grand final, but she gives them something up forward. They've tried Colvin and they've tried Georgia Hammond. It quite hasn't worked. Lauren Arnell saved the day really with two goals uh, against the Sharks on the uh, weekend. Uh, but if Arnell or Brennan don't fire... Um, one of them will fire, but if, if one of them fail to fire, then they're going to be in big trouble because, again, that forward line is looking fairly weak. I think there's a lot more excitement. I think there's plenty of more options for the Creekers. And uh, if they're fresher bodies and they've got that fast track of Etihad Stadium, for me, it's Diamond Creek by three goals. And the best on ground, well, let's face it, the umpires love the midfielders. And what midfielder is not noticeable than one that is the serial pest in Shay Audley. I think she is due for an absolute blinder. She did well against Daisy in the major semi-final, and uh, I've just got a feeling the umpires will give her the nod on Sunday. I I would love to see that. A veteran of the Diamond Creek side rewarded for uh, what's been a great finish to the year. I reckon the other roughie that you could probably throw in for the best on ground, it's not really a roughie, but I reckon the skipper, Steph Kiyotchi, she's she's played very much uh, an understated role, I think, throughout the finals campaign. She's got her hands on the footy and she's been able to do a lot with it. 
but she's she's also done the second efforts and the one percenters that go unrecognised. So I, I wouldn't go past her either, winning the best on ground. And, and just to, to finish things up, I think the other way that Darabin could win on the weekend is if they just keep their hands on the footy and the game is played on their terms. If they control the game, play possession football, um, then they might have a chance of winning because I think, as you said before, the speed, the freshness, and I think the confidence that the Creekers have at the moment uh, will get them over the line. And, and Darabin just need to stop it and they need to find a way to stop it. Well, Coxie, thanks very much for joining us here. And we look forward to your company on RSN Carnival, 11am Sunday morning for the VFL Women's Grand Final from Etihad Stadium. Yep, and uh, as I've said a couple of times throughout the season in our chats, Pete, if you are in the vicinity of Etihad Stadium, there is no excuse not to be there on Sunday afternoon. This is going to, to cap off what has been a brilliant 2017 for female football. Get to Etihad Stadium. By 12 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, not only will you see a brilliant game of, of women's football, but there's also another grand final that, that follows it. It's not that important. It's the, the VFL one. It's, it's, uh, it's not the main one. The main one's at midday. Get along to that because it's going to be a cracker no matter which way it goes. You'll see history, put it that way. So don't forget, 11 a.m. Sunday, we're on air for the 12 p.m. bounce down of the VFL Women's Grand Final between Diamond Creek and Darabin here at Live on RSN Carnival and via the RSN Racing and Sport app. And we'll also have a streaming link for you through girlsplayfooty.com so you can hear it anywhere around the world. Thanks very much for listening for this week. We'll catch you again with another episode next week looking back at the Grand Finals and then turning our focus to the AFL Euro Cup and USAFL Nationals, which is coming coming up, plus the AFLW draft combined, and of course the all-important AFLW draft coming up in mid-October. Still plenty of women's footy news to talk about, and we'll catch you again next week.